Welcome back. We are back again with another episode of Prospects Worldwide. We're continuing our series on the top prospects in every minor league system, and today we're on episode 10 out of 30. We've got plenty more in the pipeline, but today is all about the St. Louis Cardinals. The self-proclaimed best fans in baseball love their prospects, and we'll break them all down right here, right now. So St. Louis fans, even though you can't watch your beloved cards this year, today I invite you to sit back and enjoy talking about your baseball future. Enjoy it today. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide. Number 10, ladies and gentlemen, and today is all about the St. Louis cards. We're breaking down the entire organization's top prospects that you need to know. Here today to talk about these Cardinals is not, I repeat, not Mr. Jake Tillinghast, as per usual, but in fact, I've got two lovely guests today. Starting on the left side of the USA, hailing from the state that does not recognize daylight savings appropriately, Mr. Drake Mann. Drake, uh, the listeners are going to be grading you tough today. I hope you're going to bring your A game. Yeah, this is my favorite team, so if I get too biased, just let me know. You're, they gave you the fa- your, your solo shot. No Jake, it's all you today, and it's yep, your favorite it team. Is. This is yep. everything, man. Yeah, it is. really is. But how, how are you today, buddy? How are you? We didn't even get to that. How are you doing? Oh, there is a reason why we didn't get to it. My day was not a good one. Uh, oh. But I did get a haircut. I'm looking pretty. And that's all that matters when you record on an audio platform is how you look. So I'm okay. feeling good, guys. <laughs> but Drake, I need you to stop. I need you to stop asking me questions because the other guest is going to show you up. He brings the British heat. It's Mr. Jake Tweedy. I apologize, Tweedy. It's like 3 a.m. over there, and I'm just kind of diddling around in this intro. So uh, how are you feeling today? Even better knowing that you've had a fresh trim. Yeah. That's, and that, a fresh- that's just made my day. That's what I'm worth staying up for. Oh, yeah, man. I'm glad that you in England have been waiting all day for the results of my haircut. And now that you know that I feel... I feel proud. I feel strong. I feel good. That makes me feel good that you feel good. And even shampooed as well. It's just so oh, shampooed, massaged. Oh, oh. My, my, my scalp's never felt so alive. This is, this is fantastic. I, so I did, say you, I did say you were going to bring the British heat. How fast is a British fastball? <sighs> it's very, very slow. Very, very slow. <laughs> it's raining all day, every day. It's very, very it slow. pitch? It's a what? Is it an EFIS pitch? Are you familiar with an EFIS pitch? No. Okay, I'll take that out then. An EFIS <laughs> pitch is um, when you lob. throw roughly a 38-mile-an-hour lob. It just goes straight up and straight down. And, and if you place it right, it's impossible to hit because it's coming like vertically down right yeah. at the batter's box. Zach Greinke throws uh, it all the time. It's absurd. It's so dumb. Oh, God. It was in a, t- it was in a movie. It was a guy who... Um, We'll talk about that later. It's yeah, I'll try. <laughs> yeah, I know what movie you're talking about. He like he his mom was a yeah, softball player. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, that movie with the Cubs. I forgot it. Oh my god, uh, rookie of rookie year. of the year, rookie yeah. of the year. Yeah, yes, yeah, the big stinking cheese, guys. Let's get down to it. Drake Tweedy, you know the drill here. We're gonna talk the top five guys in the Cardinals org, and then we're gonna hit five players that you guys want to spotlight out of the remainder of the twenty. The number one guy in the system just recently got promoted. Of course, we're talking about Dylan Carlson. As a 55-plus future value 21-year-old, 
Carlson shows you know some fantastic talent with the bat, both his hit tool and power are plus. And he can flash some true greatness. He's not a speed demon, but he's fast enough to stag you know 20 bases last year, and he shows some fairly decent prowess in the field. He seems to be just incredibly well-rounded, and as a batter, anyone would love him, love to have him in their system. He started out with a, as a decent prospect, you know, three years with an OPS around 700, but then the last year he exploded. Across the highest levels of the minors, he increased his OPS by 200 points and had a 2020 season. What was different about Carlson's game last year that made him make that jump? I personally think that it's uh, he started hitting, hitting for more power. Uh, he had a little bit of a swing change to hit more home runs. Uh, we know that he is a switch hitting prospect, which is very nice to have on your team and in your lineup. Uh, but his left-handed swing is a lot better than his right-handed swing, much, much like most switch hitting players. Yeah, Dylan Carlson basically just came out of nowhere. I think a lot of Cardinal fans didn't really expect this from him. But here we are, and he's our, arguably the number one prospect in the system. Not arguably. He is. Look at the list. Look at the list on prospectsworldwide.com. Number one, right there at the top. <laughs> um, was it, you said it was a swing change mechanical. Uh, is he a product of the launch angle revolution? Yeah, you could tell, like, easily he started hitting uh, with more launch. Uh, his swing actually is very reminiscent of Cody Bellinger. If you were to take both of them and basically compare the two, it's Basically, Cody Bellinger 2.0. <laughs> I think the Cardinals would be very happy to have Cody Bellinger on their team. Um, uh, Tweety, I'm curious. Now he he has been promoted. He's had a couple games in the majors as of this recording. What do you see his timetable looking like for reaching the, the peak that we're kind of setting on him? You know, it, It's been a long ride to get to this point. He had this big explosion last year. How high is this peak going to be now that he's facing you know quality major leaguers every day? Obviously, it's not going to happen straight away, of course. Like, it's... Looking now, it's obviously started off well his first first game, and then it's been it's not been the greatest since he's come in. But he's young; he's gonna he's gonna he needs to get that experience. He needs to get face more at bats. He's faced different pitches, and then it's just gonna start going from there. Once he starts utilizing how he can hit all around the park and be consistent, then it's just gonna get better and better. He just needs to. It's just I think he needs to calm it down a little bit, and then really showcase it in games it's just it's just going to take time sure he's already doing a decent job spraying the ball around the field he is a 43 percent pull hitter but still 34 percent oppo shot 23 percent center you can't really ask for much more than that even even his batter ball profile for you know launch angle you're, you're right that he used to be a much higher ground ball rate now he's only at 38 percent another 38 percent is fly ball 25 percent line drives he's getting the ball in the air he's spraying the ball to all fields he does seem to have really effective at bats. Yeah, of course. It's just is then about sometimes just a bit of luck. Sometimes it's it's bits and pieces, other factors. Like he's obviously got the ability. He's he can hit around the park, like you said. He's got he's he's got all that there. He's just one of those things that just needs to click. Needs a bit mm-hmm. of luck here and there. Get a few at bats together that that are consistent, and then from there you might see all of a sudden just a burst. Get a few good what few good games under your belt, and then that's it. You could fly away. Uh, he had that twenty home run, twenty stolen base season in the minors last year. Are we to expect something similar in the majors? Can does he have that speed that translates that power that translates to get him to twenty twenty on the MLB level? The power definitely, I think that translates because uh, we've been seeing it with his first couple games in the MLB. 
He's barreling balls. He's hitting for high exit velocities. They're just going right at people. So he's been very unlucky. The speed, maybe I'll put that as a maybe, but uh, we could see him do a 2020, but it just depends on the speed mainly. Okay, well, I'm I'm definitely curious because, like Tweedy said, the start has not been, you know, amazing. He's OPS is 372, and that's some people's batting average. Hell, Charlie uh, Charlie Blackman's batting average is almost 100 points higher than his on base plus slugging. But we are early. He's only six games into his career as of recording. He's playing the seventh game right now. There's time. There's time to grow. If he can do in the majors, what we saw him do last year after that explosion, then you're right. The Cardinals have something absolutely special. But next on the list, number two is your prospect. We're looking at power third baseman Nolan Gorman. Uh, last year, the big issue with Gorman was his inflated strikeout percentage after the midseason promotion, inflating all the way to a 36% K rate. He leveled that off to roughly 30% now, but as we've covered before, that's simply too high. Is Gorman's overall profile going to be something strong enough to get him to be a contributing major leaguer with that K rate being so high? I personally am not really uh, too worried about the K rate. I mean, the guy was, what, 19 years old in A advanced, and the normal age is 22.4, so that's about three years older than him. But the power is definitely going to translate it's just all about just all the other parts of his game because the cardinals have three guys in their system we might touch on both of them later uh but gorman is definitely going to be their starting third baseman in the future just all depends if he can put it all together tweety he's a power based guy that's what his calling card is but if you look at the numbers from 2018 to 2019 now granted he was promoted so 2018 was rookie in, in A-ball, 2019 was A-ball in high A. So he is facing harder competition, but he hit roughly the same amount of home runs and double the at-bats this year. So his, his home run rate is decreasing by, you know, 100%. Is he going to be able to, if he's if his calling card is power and his power is slowly draining, is that the case? Is his power draining or am I just reading too much into these stats? I think that's too much into the stats. He, okay. He's not... Draining, like I said, like Drake said, he's he was 19 last season. You're going into a 22 average age, so you're facing older pitchers. It's going to happen as you you're facing older pitchers. Yeah, you you might get caught out a bit more, and it's just one of those things. That he's just he's an aggressive player. He's going to try and pull the ball. He's he tries to get the ball in the air. He tries to he tries to make things happen. And I think it's at times it's going to get caught out, but once then again it's experience. Once that experience comes again, you'll start turning those strikeouts into base hits. Then it will start then becoming a bit more than that. So it's it's about he's young. It's about experience for him. I think personally. Mm. I mean, you're right. I, the the aggression you talk about, the aggressiveness. I mean, six triples last year in 120 games. Six triples, you have to be aggressive on the base path to get that, no matter what your speed is. And he's not quite a you know a speed demon. He's listed as a, a 40 speed, and he got six triples last year. That comes purely out of aggressiveness. Yeah, that shows the power. That's that shows that he can get the ball in get the ball in the gaps and get around the bases. It's 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 that's the player he is. He can find them gaps, he can go long with them because he tries to get the ball up in the air. So it goes 
further and further. So it just be, again, once you get a little bit older, start getting a little bit bigger, then that your speed will obviously come down yeah. as he gets bigger. But then you're looking at hopefully the next stage of that is he turns his doubles, his triples into home runs. Now, now obviously the power is third base power that you can play it there. 45 future fielding, is he going to stick at third base or are we going to be looking at a good thing the NL has a DH? I think he sticks at third base uh, long-term because the Cardinals do have, like like I said, they have three guys that are all basically Gorman's profile. But Gorman can also play first, I believe, but I think he sticks uh, third base long-term because his arm is really really nice to see. Sure, yeah. I mean, the arm is crucial at third base. I just worry that the fielding might not be enough. The Cardinals have always held themselves, held their heads high on their ability to find sneaky defenders. Um, your Paul DeJongs, your Aledmus Diaz's that aren't true like defense heavy guys, but they do it the right way. They they are good defenders as a Cardinal, and if they can get Gorman to do the same thing, uh, you know that forty five could be a sneaky fifty. One quick note on that: Paul DeYoung is now one of the best defensive shortstops, one of the best in baseball. So they they're obviously doing something right there in St. Louis. Sure. Sure. He didn't start that way, right? He, I feel like as a prospect, he was kind of a nothing, right? Am I thinking of the wrong Paul DeYoung? Uh, well, yeah, he kind of, he was kind of like that. But uh, I just think with how athletic he was, he was able to uh, basically just change that, especially with Colton Wong as your second baseman. I mean, mm-hmm. can't really go wrong with not having defense short because, you know, Wong is there to really back you up pretty much. Sure. Yeah, I, I, the Cardinals are so good at finding and developing that niche guy. There's always the you know that Cardinals player that just kind of sneaks up, and um, I, I guess a 45 fielding probably could play if the Cardinals can develop in that way and and you know pull the pull the De Young factor on them like that. But let let's keep rolling down because as we're talking about Nolan Gorman, the next person on their list on our, on our prospect list number three was Nolan Gorman's best friend since travel ball, Matt Libertor. Libertor was considered to be one of the top standout prep arms when he got drafted just two years ago, and he's shown everyone exactly why in 25 career games. He's he's maintained an ERA under 2.6, and he's improving his pitch sequency. He's staying consistent. His strikeout rates have dipped as he increases levels, but they're still a respectable 9 per 9. What are the next steps in his development looking like? Are, are there any you know glaring holes that we need to address up front for Libertor? I think the one hole that he has is his control is still little, little bit below average. But uh, when he was in AZ, basically there was a lot of hype around him around the draft. Like he couldn't go one area without somebody talking about Libertor and Gorman in the draft. But that fastball and curveball are both potentially plus pitches, especially that curveball. That curveball is amazing, I in my opinion, and. I just think the Rays gave up on him a little too easily, but they do have a bunch of pitching depth. So Libertor is among the best left-handed pitching prospects in baseball. Let's just hope that continues and no injuries or anything happens. So Tweety, he's got that curveball that Drake likes so much. Um, we have it rated as a future 60, which yes, by all means, that is a, a an above average uh, curveball. The rest of his pitches grayed out in the future around 50-55. Is he going to have enough in his arsenal? Because he, he has the curveball as a plus pitch, but everything else is just fine. It's good. Is he going to have enough to make it as a starter? Yeah, I think it's an, he's another one that's he's a young young pitcher. He's, what, 20 now, so, but he stands at 6'4". So he's a, 
he's a big picture. So he's just one of those ones he's going to, as he develops physically and starts to clean up his action, it, I mean, he has he's more control than he is command at the moment, but he'll be more of a threat once he starts really developing A, physically, and B, as he progresses with experience. Because he's, he's a young pitcher, so he'll get there. He's just one of those ones where it's just taking, I think it's going to take a bit more time to really put into him to then try and get those end results. I'm uh, Maybe you guys can help me figure this out. I'm looking at his ground ball rate. This year, they were great. They were, they were up to 57% ground ball rate. But last year, he was sitting around in the mid-40s. But he's only allowed two home runs in his entire 111 innings pitched as an, an affiliated ball. What is he doing to keep the ball in the park? Can either of you answer that? I, I just think it comes down to pitch sequencing. I mean, you already put – you touched on that a little bit. But like, like we talked about the curveball – if he can continue to use that as basically like a get me over pitch and a, and a true out pitch that it's meant to be, that's how he keeps in the yard. That's how he continues, to, or that's how he could dominate going forward. But the slider and the changeup could also take into account there too. All right. Well, well, let's keep running down this list. We're at number four out of twenty. Catcher Ivan Herrera. Uh, Herrera spent the last three years bouncing around, you know, various forms of A ball and rookie ball, but his bat has been lively throughout with what started as, you know, more of a contact eye profile has really blossomed into a bit of a power bat as well. He just cranked, you know, nine home runs when in the last two years he only managed to crank one. Uh, with a good contact bat that is that now has pop, I, I'd expect to see bad fielding. But sure enough, you see a future 55 behind the plate. Is this the future beyond Yachty, or will guys like Kisner stay entrenched at the spot? I definitely think of Von Herrera's on takeover at some point. Kind of like how the Cardinals thought uh, Kisner was going to take over for K- uh, Carson Kelly. But Yvonne Herrera, he's been incredibly advanced uh, with the bat. He is an amazing uh, pitch framer and a good defender with a good arm. So I expect the Cardinals to be careful with him, but still be aggressive with him at the same time with progression. But overall, I think Herrera is your future catcher for the Cardinals. Okay. So he went from, like I said, he went from one home run all the way up to nine. Did, in our scouting profiles, at what point, we even listed as a 45 future power fielder. I know this is always a tricky question to answer because numbers don't necessarily equate to tools and grades. But at what point does he have to keep hitting home runs for us to say like, okay, there might be more power here. This 45 might be a 50, 55, whatever. Pretty much. I just think like maybe 10 to 15, then you can change that up a bit. I do think there's still a bunch of raw power in his bat. But overall, I think 10 to 15 would change that grade. It remains to be seen. I think t- uh, COVID, basically with the COVID shortened season, no minor league ball, I think that will affect him a little bit just because he loses that year of development. And pretty much we don't get to see how advanced and how much he can progress his other tools and progress the power. Tweety, what are your thoughts on him? Is this a guy that... I know the bat's going to play. I know the defense is going to play. Where is he going to fall in the lineup? Is he going to be a 3-4-5 hitter? Or is he just going to be kind of middling at the back? Yeah, I think he's, he's another one that's he's just young. He's another one you don't know yet until you start. Sure. So you have a bit more experience of playing more as he progresses through the system and then really see where he goes from it. So it's just he has – I personally stuck with that – 45 because he has that he has got some power but it's more that 
how advanced he's at his hitting. Okay. My thing is more for his hitting rather than just his power. Like he barrels the ball well, and he has the ability to pick up his extra base hits because how he has how he identifies pitches and how he makes use of he's got good plate discipline. And I think that's for me is more why he's that lower power because is more based on the hitting rather than the actual power itself. That makes sense. I, I'm i not, I mean, I've said this a hundred times already. I am not a scout. I am a numbers guy. So I look at, okay, nine home runs equates to 45. Well, that means 18 is, you know, I, I want to figure out the number levels. And I understand that that's not how scouting works because scouting can't be done on a spreadsheet. You have to have those eyes that you have to be able to say, what he's doing at the plate will equate to this in the future. And uh, that's just something I've got to work on and something that you already have that skill for tweeting. And I applaud you for it. <laughs> uh, Drake, you've got to work on it too. Don't you chuckle over there. <laughs> but, but guys, let's keep rolling down the list. We're on a good roll here. Let's go to number five, Zach Thompson, lefty pitcher. He, he's a great find statistically. Like I was talking about these numbers. I love it. In three years at Kentucky, he dominated batters. He bettered his strikeout rate every single year, and he was able to rein in his walk rate from a, a balloon six per nine down to 3.4. Then he hit the majors, and he got even better. He increased his strikeout rate to 13.5, and, and he decreased, decreased his walk rate to two. Like I said, it, it's a small sample size with that major league, but the numbers were still amassed over 13 games, 13 different games. So it's not nothing. He may, not, he may never be elite, but he's got a four-pitch mix, and he manages to keep batters guessing with his pitch ability. He's in the pin right now. Is he going to stay in the pin, or does he have a chance to go to the uh, go to the rotation? See, that all d- depends on his health, because with Kentucky, he did have a little bit of uh, arm issues. But um, basically, what I think on Zach Thompson is the curveball's there, like we've been saying. Uh, the fastball actually plays up because of the deception in his delivery, but it's normally – Low 90s, but it can get to 97, 98. But, yeah, the other three three pitches are could become plus, but I just don't see it. I know the fastball and curveball could at least. So. Tweet, what do you think about his future? Is, is he – and I know he's young. He's got a lot of development. We've got to wait and see. But he's got college numbers. He, he's already 22 years old. He could be in the majors in two years. When he hits the majors, what do you see that projection looking like? I think for now, see if he's starting – being as a relief pitcher, I think he's he's got that lower fastball in terms of his velocity, but he's he's intelligent with his pitches, and I think that would work well coming in from the bullpen of how intelligent he is and uses it well, and he's consistently around the zone. I think his control works well in that aspect, and I think that's something. That's an important role as well, not just having being, is, it, is he going to be a starter, is he not going to be a starter? It's that, can you use him throughout? Can you use him as a starter? Could you use him as a reliever? Like, he has that intelligence to put start, then he could also come in as well if, if needed. So you can be play that long role, emergency starter type of, I mean, harken back to, I think we've mentioned this again, that Chris Davinsky role back when Chris Davinsky was, Good at baseball. <laughs> Dang. I mean, well, I, but so what? Eh, well, I Drake, I'm a straight shooter on prospects worldwide. The podcast. 
one thing that also stood out to me beyond his strikeout rate and his walk rate was he had an ERA of 3.5 last year. And at face value, an ERA of 3.5 is good. It's acceptable. By all means, it's not the greatest thing you've ever seen, but it's good. His expected FIP that year was two. So he got unlucky. He, he His strikeout rates, his walk rates, everything that goes into FIP, he should have had a two. And his fielding behind him was poor enough that he got ballooned up to 3.5. So if he had proper fielding behind him and everything went according to the plan, we'd be looking at a much better statistical pitcher, which he's already a pitcher that I like statistically. I think that's why you can't rely so much on statistics. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is literally it. First, first you just answered your own thing. Yeah. <laughs> what were you yeah. saying, Drake? Uh, but yeah, like like you're saying, the defense is poor behind him. The Cardinals have done something amazing. Like the last year, I believe that they were, or not last year, the year before, but they were the worst in baseball in errors. And then the year after, they were one of the best in errors. So that combination of Wong and DeYoung at the middle, and then Goldschmidt at first, if he's up when Goldschmidt's still a Cardinal, which I think he will be, there's a lot of good defenders behind him that will make the plays and will get him out of those innings. Sure. I mean, pitchers that that rely on ground ball like he did, he's over you know roughly 51, 52% ground ball. He, they need a solid infield behind him. And, and if he can go into an org like the cards with that good infield, then yeah, it, it's going to be all roses for him if, if he has a chance to pitch. But guys, that is it for the top five. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be right back. What's up, folks? It's Steve from the Grande and Big Sum Show. If you're looking for the hottest takes, Twitter debates, and everything going on in sports and pop culture, then look no further. We've got you covered. Whether it's tackling the newest in the NFL, NBA, and college sports, catching up with some of your favorite college and pro athletes, or just chopping it up, there's something here for everyone. You can find the Grande and Big Sum Show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to follow along on Twitter and Instagram at Grande and BS Pod. That's G R A N D E and BS Pod. Thanks, and we'll see you guys soon. And we are back. We are talking St. Louis Cardinals. We just knocked out the top five in the system, and now we're pushing our way through all the spotlight guys from six to 20, five guys that we want to talk about. The first guy up there is actually a current major leaguer, Lane Thomas. Thomas seemed to be a player that outperformed his scouted tools, a very Cardinals thing like we talked about earlier. Across the board, his report is littered with you know 45s and 50s and a couple 55 grades, uh, and all, are, all of those are good in their own right. In, in his minor leagues, he OPSed only 700 to 800 or so, and then he makes the majors at the end of the last year, and he OPSs over 1,000. Is he the next in the line of that classic Cardinal player that we've talked about, that Paul DeJong, that Steven Piscotty, uh, Tyler O'Neill. I feel like the list goes on and on of those guys who don't necessarily have all the tools and then they get to the majors and they're a five war player. See, Lane Thomas is very interesting because props to the Cardinals uh, scouting department. This was an amazing find for them. Uh, again, not trying to be way too biased. Just let me know if I'm being too biased. But um, basically they got him for the Blue Jays for international money, which is pretty amazing to me. And all of a sudden, he just burst on the scene with the Cardinals. And then last year, again, the power started to show. The contact started to show. We could see him as the future center fielder, what we thought Harrison Bader was going to be. But Lane Thomas could actually outplay Harrison Bader as long as he stays healthy. That's the big thing with me is Lane Thomas' health going forward. 
I guess my question, Tweety, you did the scouting on this. You looked at the at the raw video and you spewed out the numbers. And I'm looking at a 50 hit, a 55 power, or 55 raw power, 45 game power. How are these numbers so low? And 50 and 45 aren't low in the grand scheme of things. But when you're OPSing a thousand, that's wild to me. Like, shouldn't these numbers be higher? They should. <laughs> If he's that one-off thing, isn't it? Like he's obviously got the thousand last season, but then it is a small plate appearance. I'll give you that. Yeah, and, and I think that's 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 the thing you've got to look at. It's the small sample size, and I think if he can, he just needs that run of games. Because after his appearances last year, I thought he was going to be a starter this year, or at least be in around that fourth outfield. It's going to be here and there, but he's hardly played this season. And I think, especially with like. Drake said about Bader, he's like, surely you'd give him that opportunity to play regularly to show off that he has that hitting ability. He barrels the ball well, as shown by that grand slam he hit last season. So he has got the potential to go big. I mean, to go big. 2018 in double A AA and triple A, he put up 27 home runs. Oh, yeah, he's, he can hit home runs. Again, but again, that's where it's all based on the... It's based on how clean of a hitter he is. Like, I, I like the way he's he makes contact with the ball. And I think that's what then increases his output from his bat from the way he it is. It seems to be like he had a bit of a change in his mechanics. He wants to get under the ball a bit more, go for a bit more launch angle, so it's higher. Which is obviously something we talk about quite a lot. Yes, of course, that needs power to then get over the home run threshold. But that launch angle, as soon as you make that clean contact, you don't have to have that much power to put it through. So he's he's, he's good, but I want to see more of him, especially in the majors now that he's made that step up mm-hmm. in order to then really see how his numbers would change. Yeah, I mean, looking at batted ball profile, there's a few things that I would tweak here and there. You know, maybe... He's pulling the ball nearly 50% of the time. Maybe don't try to pull it as often. Try to pop one oppo. But it's not bad. Like nothing in here is is screaming like this needs to get fixed. He seems like the type of player that just does everything right. Doesn't have any like gaping holes in his game. And with that, the Cardinals can say, okay, now that we don't have to fix anything, we can just improve things. See, the one thing that uh, also sucks about uh, Lane Thomas's development is he's blocked at the MLB. I mean, we have Tyler O'Neill. Harrison Bader, Dexter Fowler already is your starting four and be or three. Sorry about that, but basically the fact that he was injured at the end of last year that really kind of hurt his development. But one of the best moments I remember was in his debut, his first at bat, he homered to right field. When you're talking about Oppo, he took an outside pitch to right field and hit it out. So that's pretty cool to see. Is Dexter Fowler a free agent at the end of this year or at the end of next year? At the end of next year. Ah, okay. I was like, well, he's going to have a slot open up, but if another year of Fowler, um, I imagine you're not going to re-sign him after that. But Probably not, but we'll see. All right. Well, I, I I look forward to seeing Lane Thomas's development as a Cardinal, but I just know in the back of my mind he's going to be that five-war player that the Cardinals constantly churn out. And as an Orioles fan that doesn't get to see those five war players, it's upsetting to me. It makes me sad because I don't. We don't get this type of this type of developmental boom. Uh, as the seventh prospect on this on this top twenty, we're talking about him being you know no weaknesses, all plus all upside. The only problem is he's blocked, 
And that's that's number seven. This, this system is good. So let's follow down the list a little bit more. We're going to skip number eight, come in at number nine. We're looking at Trey Fletcher, a young outfielder. I, I'm wondering what I should think about him. He has the raw power and athleticism to make a prospect intriguing, but he's got a struggling hit tool. And usually with that type of player, you at least see plus fielding where like, okay, he relies on the speed to be good in the field. Well, he's only a future value of 50 in the field. Does he have enough to match up either with the bat or with the field to stick in the majors? Because I feel like you can't really stick as a power speed guy if you don't have the other, if you don't have one of the other tools. I just think, uh, again, what Tweedy's been saying with like the age, I just think he needs more experience personally. Uh, but that hit tool is right now very, very sloppy, but I think it'll get a lot better. Uh, he is a really good, or has a lot of speed. Uh, he actually has pretty good arm strength too. So that'll let him stick in center field and he can also play left and right field. So hopefully he sticks fairly well in these next couple of years. Well, Tweedy, we have a 40 hit tool on him and I'm looking at a 43.4% strikeout rate and a 23.5% swinging strike rate. One out of every four times he tries to put the bat into the zone, he misses the ball. Does this <laughs> Is this bat going to develop? He's only 19. He's got years. But do we even have a peak? I th- yeah, I think his is more on his mechanics rather than his ability to actually hit the ball. Like, he's, he's a big kick. And he has a wide stance when he finishes his swing and his action, which allows him to generate good power. But it doesn't—it doesn't seem to have much control over the ball. And I think you can—you can very easily be caught out. And that's what you're shown by his strikeout rate. I think with some development on that and being a bit more calm with it. I mean, he's young, 19. He's gonna—he's gonna be excited. He's gonna try and hit as much as possible. Once you start toning that down a little bit, work on his mechanics, make it more fluid, then I think that that hit tool can come up a bit more. But yeah, it's got the power there. He's got that raw power there, 6'2", 200. So he's not small for his age. So he's decent size. He's got decent speed as well. So it's one of those you just have to work on his mechanics more before he then starts really developing. See, Tweety, what you just basically said, what was wrong with Luis Urias, he had that big leg kick. He had just weird mechanics and really that didn't translate well for the first couple of years and it's still he's having trouble adjusting to higher velocity i've noticed so if if trajan fletcher can just get rid of that leg kick but still keep that power i think he could be a, a really good hitter going forward i see the potential with fletcher i see the de- the defensive power athleticism all the potential all wrapped up in one but then I skip down to number 11 to see our next spotlight guy, Elahuris Montero. And he's got just as much power and a hit tool and a good arm. What I see about him, though, is the stats were just atrocious. And I know, Tweety, you're going to tell me, don't look at the stats. Don't look at the stats. But he slashed 194, 245, 316. We have him as a future 50 hit, future 55 power, and his OPS is less than 600. This, this doesn't equate. Is this just a blip on the radar with him? I know his previous minor league seasons were good. Is this season just a blip on the radar? And this will go away and he'll be fine. Or is this something we have to worry about? No, I think this one's just a blip. I think if you look at the amount of games he's played over the last three seasons, 
at least. You've got 15 in 2017, 127 in 2018, and then back down to 63 last season. It's that staying healthy and playing games. And I think if you look at 2018 in particular, his batting average was 315. He hit 16 home runs, 37 doubles and three tri- triples. So he's definitely got the hitting, he's got the power. It's just about staying healthy with him. Like He's an exciting player, he's nice to watch, but it's just that he's just got to stay healthy. He's got to play games. And I think that's the key for him is just playing games. And then that's when it will start really showing what he's capable of. Yeah. Uh, Drake, what are your thoughts on him? As a Cardinals fan, you see this prospect with all the tools in the world and he puts up this stat line. I understand it's it's injury given. So he missed that chunk of time in the summer, but he still put up that bad stat line. As a fan, what are you seeing about this? Do you think it'll turn around and you'll still get a good bat out of him out of Montero? I completely agree with what uh, Tweedy said, basically. Like, this is just a blimp for him. Yeah, the injury kind of sucks. And yeah, this uh, slash line isn't that great. But he just struggled last year. It's really hard to stay consistent with the bat. But Alaris Montero is a legitimately good hitter. But where I think it's going to be hard is finding a spot for him. Because like I said, with Nolan Gorman, there was three third basemen that are basically just like him. Montero basically is not a great defensive third baseman, just at least in my opinion. He doesn't really have the range to stick there. I just see him as like, kind of like a DH uh, going forward, which in the NL, we don't know if the DH is going to stay or not. Does he have, well, no, he won't really have the speed. He's. I'm looking at a 40 speed. I was hoping yeah. he might be able to play in the outfield in the corner somewhere. I know the Cardinals' future outfield is already stacked, but you can still make room if the bat plays. John, they tried that with uh, Matt Adams. Let's remember that. They put him in left field. Let's remember <laughs> what happened there. So, oh, uh, I, I remember. <laughs> yeah. That's not that was a dark time in Cardinals history. So is that is that kind of why he's pushed down to number eleven? Not necessarily because of the stat line, but because there's not really a future position for him. Is that why he's eleven, uh, Tweedy? Yeah, I think that defensive side of it is is a bit of a blow to him because he is, as I said, he's an exciting player to watch. Like he's got that he's got that ability with his bat and. It's just that defensive side. Where does he fit in? And he's not the quickest on his feet. He's not the most agile. So it's one of those ones. It's, it's that defensive side of it has pushed him down a little bit. Yeah. Well, let's keep moving down. Uh, let's keep pushing through the system here. I want to go down to number fifteen. It's your next guy, twenty-three uh, year old. Already had some major league experience. Junior Fernandez. He's a right-handed pitcher, and there's a ton to like here. Uh, triple-digit heater, 20% swing and strike rate, but but the numbers may be a little hedged in his favor. His expected FIP was two full runs higher than his ERA, so I, I imagine there was quite a bit of luck in there. Uh, he did have a 1.5 ERA, but it's supposed to be a 3.6. So he probably got, like I said, he probably got a little lucky along the way. What can we expect to see out of Fernandez now that he's facing more experienced batters and we know that that low ERA is probably supposed to be a little higher than it shows. I personally am not a big fan of Junior Fernandez because one thing that has become evident with him, especially watching him in summer league, his control has gotten worse. I saw an outing where he walked four batters basically back to back to back to back. and That's not good. You're not supposed to do that. 
That's, You're supposed yeah, to keep them off good. the base paths. <laughs> yeah. Yes, John. Thank you for that. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm learning some things. I'm learning some scouting. Did you use to see that from the I'm learning, <laughs> that, That's called not looking at the numbers, using your eye. Isn't that right, Tweety? <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I like it. But, uh, but you're getting somewhere. But uh, basically, yeah, the fastball is really it, it is good, but like I said, the control. This best pitch I think is his changeup. He plays it really well off of his fastball. But if that control never really happens, I think he's delegated to a bullpen role, which he already is. But I just could I just don't see it personally. I love Fernandez, like but I just not as high on him, if that makes sense. I yeah, like I mean but by all means, the walk rate is high. You know, in 2017, it was four, and then 2018 it was five, and they pulled it back down to four, 4.6 or so uh, this year. But along with that walk rate being high, he's steadily increasing his strikeout rate. He went from six to seven to 11 to 12. And I mean, there's plenty of pitchers that have poor walk rates that are in the majors as closers right now because they have that 12, 13, 14 strikeouts per nine. I, don't, I almost think if you're a bullpen role and you're a, a setup guy, bullpen, you know, a closer kind of mentality, the walk rate can kind of be forgiven because you're striking out so many guys. Is that kind of where his role is going to be, Tweety? Yeah, I think so. I think he's he can get hit as swinging. So I think like Drake touched on it, he's about his changeup. I think especially you saw last season how they had hit as swinging at both his slider and his changeup. Slider, I think there's swinging at 30 of them, 22 of them whiffed them, whiffed it. Change up, took the velocity off well, and batters had an average was 0.071 against it last year. So he's obviously secondary pitches get the swing and the miss. I think his command isn't that bad, but in the same sense, if it's a bit up and down, that makes him a bit more of a threat as a bullpen arm for, for him because of how good his secondary pitches could be, if that makes sense? No, absolutely it does. They, I, I like the poor command. <clears throat> as weird as that sounds, I like the poor command in a bullpen role in short outings because you can keep the batters on their toes. They don't know if that slider's actually going to nip the end of the zone. Over the course of six, in, six innings as a starter, you can't do it. It's just going to be too devastating. But you can strike lightning yeah. in a bottle with these bad command pitchers if you keep them to an inning at a time. Yeah, nothing. That's that's where he would more than likely be projected to be at. Also, Tweety, I just want to point out to you, I truly adore your writing because I can tell you're not. I can tell that you're British in your writing because you say you call batters swingers, and I like that. He can have swingers swinging and missing, largely due to his command improving. And I don't know if that's a cricket thing or if that's a rounders thing or whatever, but I, I'm digging it. I'm going to start calling professional major league batters swingers. I think you've got to be careful with that one. It's got to be sport related. Swingers have the whole entire different That's fair. But but let's push it all the way down to number 20. The very and I last like guy. One more thing. Just yeah. on Fernandez. Yeah. Another reason why I'm just not so high on them is the Cardinals have a lot of pitchers coming up too. And they just have a bunch of pitching depth. And this would be his year to come up and surpass what I, what I think his control would be. But I do believe he did get COVID, if I remember correctly, which we don't know how it's going to come back from that, basically, if that makes any sense. No, it's true. It 
even as professional athletes, I think there's a part of our mind that says they're a professional athlete. They've got the best immune systems. They've got all this. They'll be fine. But even as a professional athlete, they're still humans. And this COVID, we still don't know how it affects people. Truly, after nine months of it, we're still so much in the, in the unknown that you're right. This could, if he had COVID, this could be a, a devastating thing for him. And we're not going to know until probably next year or the year after. You're right. They do have a lot of pitchers on the up and up. I'm looking at our top 20. And while the top 10 might be hitter heavy, I only see three pitchers in the top 10. The moment you hit 12, 12 is a pitcher, 13 is a pitcher, 14, 15, 16, 18, and 20, all pitchers. That number 20 is who we're going to be talking about next, Andre Palante. Did I say that right, Drake? Yes, you did. This is my boy in the system. (laughs) This is your boy? I'm going to leave this one to Drake, I think. I'm glad he's your boy because I have some question marks. First off, I want to point out, he went to UC Irvine, which is the coolest nickname. He was an anteater for three years, and that's my favorite. So (laughs) over those four years, over the last four years of college and the minors, his K rate stabilized at around 10 per nine, which is by all means good. And his walk rate has steadily gotten better each year. His tools kind of seem to be maxing out. I mean, he's rated as a 45 current 50 future in pretty much everything. Uh, is he just a high floor guy that could be like an inning eater? Drake, you're high on him. Tell me he's not just that because there is a place for that in Major League Baseball, but not in the top prospect list. I personally think that he's more than that. I think that he could be uh, maybe a forward back into the rotation type of guy. He could lack a true out pitch, but I do think his curveball is his best pitch. I mean, that thing is absolutely nasty, and he pairs it well with his fastball. His awkward mechanics, that might be one thing that I point out a lot. Uh, they could lead to some injury risk, but honestly, Andre Palante, he pairs, like I just said, his curveball off of his fastball well. Fastball touches 97, but it's normally 93-94. Uh, basically, yeah, and he has pretty good command of his pitches. I, As I, as I read over the videos, as I read over the, uh, the article, I see – Usually in our top prospect articles, we have a lot of videos linked. And the videos are from, you know, Pitching Ninja, MLB Pipeline, whoever, (laughs) whatever major entity chooses to highlight this picture. The picture video that we have for Andre Palante is from one Drake Mann. So we know who likes them. I didn't even see that. Good job, Tweety. Good job. I had to put it in. I had to put it in there. As soon as you said he was your boy, that's it. I had to put him in. The the caption about he's filthy is just it's just. Makes no, me happy. I'm glad that you guys think he's filthy because I mean, again, statistically, I mean, Tweedy tells me it's not about the stats, but 27% K rate to only 7% walk rate, a WHIP of one, uh, only allowing half a home run per nine. All of those are good, but then I see the scouting tools: 45-50, 45-50, 40-50. It just makes me fall asleep. Okay, then it makes you fall asleep, I guess, then. <laughs> Tweety, Tweety, do you have any input on Palante, or are we just going to let Drake have his high? No, I just think it's that he just didn't have much okay. exposure last year. And I think that, that is the key thing. He only had nine starts, 11 appearances, only pitched 35 innings. So it's one of those where he needs – more game time. Okay. I think that's why it's, it seems boring to start off with because he hasn't had that exposure yet. 
And I think once you start getting that explosion, like Drake said about his um, his action, once that gets sorted out and rectified, I think maybe you can see the numbers up a little bit. But again, it needs it needs work on it. It needs okay. experience. Well, I am highlighting him right now on my big board because when we go back and do a um, where are they now uh, episode in however long we do. I'm going to highlight. I'm going to go back for him, and I want to see, because, Drake, I will eat my words. I will say this is not a boring pitcher. This is someone who has an exciting curveball, who's got that 97-mile-an-hour heater. He does have good things, and I apologize for calling him boring and nap-worthy and all of the things that I've said. Uh, also, Palante, and, uh, if you're listening, I apologize to you specifically. And uh, I will apologize if he's none of those things within a year. You don't have to, man. Stand by your words. You don't have to apologize for a damn thing. Stay by and be filthy. Yeah, Stay by. But, but, guys, Stay I want to take a <laughs> – This is what happens when we don't have Jake. Jake, you, we, <laughs> you can't ever leave us again. Guys, I want to go and take a step back and look at the full top 20. Let's see the guys that we missed. Uh, at number six, we had the first rounder this year, big third baseman Jordan Walker, who, I don't know, is he going to take Gorman's spot at third base because he can play defense a little bit better? We will see. We've got a uh, left-handed pitcher, Genesis Cabrera. We've got an outfielder, Jan Torres, at 10. And then from 12 to 14, we've got three pitchers, Johan Oviedo, Markevian Hintz, that's Tink if you're familiar with the draft, and Mason Wynn, who's another, he's a potential two-way guy that I've got my eye on. Then rounding out the bottom 20, we've got Cody Whitley at 16. He's a pitcher. Edmundo Sosa is an infielder at 17. Tony Losey is another pitcher at 18. And Lucan Baker, first baseman, comes out in 19. He was the compensatory pick in the 2018 second round. But, guys, looking back outside of that top 20, get creative. I want you all to give me some names that aren't in this 20 that you either want to spotlight for a reason, maybe they're underrated, you want to say, hey, these guys might belong in this top 20 maybe next year when some of these guys graduate. Now, they're, the last guy when I was talking about the third baseman, Malcolm Nunez, basically a Larry Montero 2.0. Very fun to watch, but very iffy at third base, but he does have plus arm strength. I also have a guy on here. Uh, we The Cardinals acquired him for... Um, Matt Adams, and uh, his name's Juan Yapez. And, uh, John, you remember when you were talking about how guys basically forego a little bit of the power just to hit a little bit more in the D-backs podcast? Yes, I've, I always want that. I want guys who have a 40 hit and a 70 power. Man, just pull it back. Become a 50-60 guy. You're the, you have the same power. That ball's still going to go out of the ballpark, and you're going to hit more balls. Juan Yapez is just like that. He has... In, some really nice over-the-fence power, but he's kind of foregone it just to hit a little bit more uh, and to advance a little bit more with his bat. Uh, I also have a guy who I think will take the reign for the best name of these, Lars Newtbar. I think that that's – he's a, an outfielder. Uh, is that Nigel Newtbar's brother? I don't know. I There's, it's got to be. There's only – how many Newtbar surnames <laughs> are in baseball? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to look it up. I'm just going to say I'm right. <laughs> well, uh, tell me about him. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut him off. I, I, oh, I recognize the name. Uh, what uh, what do you have about him? Uh, basically, he played. He's very versatile. He plays center, left, right, first, uh, contact first player, a little bit of power, 
but nothing really showing. He's advanced pretty quickly, but uh, I don't see him like next year, maybe the year after, but he has advanced very quickly because he was just drafted, I believe, 2019 he was drafted, either 2019 or 2018. And then I have one more guy, sorry, one more guy, Alvaro Cijas. Can you spell that for me? S-E-J-I-A-S. Got it. Continue. Uh, and basically, he <laughs> he was an international signee in 2015. <laughs> uh, very raw. He's kind of – it's been hard for him to get his feet wet a little bit, but he just had a breakout year. So I think that he could really go up these charts really quickly, especially because he has a high-velocity fastball. But it is a, a high-effort delivery, so you never know what those type of guys – I like the numbers I'm looking at here. I particularly like you called Malcolm Nunez uh, Montero light. And the first thing that stands out to me on Malcolm Nunez was in 2018, he had a 1300 OPS outstanding. And in 2019, he had a 600 OPS and that is very much like Montero. So you, you nailed it, (laughs) but uh, Tweety, you're familiar with the system. You did this. Who were the guys that you were looking at that you were thinking maybe maybe he can sneak in later? Who are some other guys that we should be talking about? There's Wiggs. I had three, and they're completely different from nice. Drake's as well. That, so so I like that in a system. Sorry, That's I don't mean to cut you off. I like it in a system when, when we have that type of thought because that means there are probably 10 to 15 guys that deserve, by all means, every single day to be in that top 20. And then there's this, this list of just conglomerate of 15, 20, 30 guys that are like, well, he's got potential, but – well, he has potential, but and if those butts can get fixed up, uh, that sounded fun. If those butts can get fixed up, then they can be real talent. And a system that has that type of depth is a system that has real strengths. Yeah, of course. But go on. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the first one that I had was Angel Rondon for right-handed pitcher. I think last year was his biggest season so far. He's he gone from pitching just 88 innings in 2018 to 160 last year, playing or oh, splitting his time between A advanced and double A. 11-7 record, 293 ERA. He won the he got the Cards Minor League Pitcher of the Year, finished second in the system in ERA and strikeouts. So that's my first one. The second one is Juan Yepes. Oh, yeah, I had him. Outfielder, first baseman, third baseman. Seems to play all over the place. Made quick progression through the system. But then he took off at cards more. He started off at the Braves. Started tapping into his power potential last year. Made a step up to double A. Okay average and a few extra base hits as well. Had him down for, for example, 50 future power. So And then the third one I had was Matteo Hill, mm-hmm. shortstop. Seems to have advanced feels and knowledge of the game. Strong showing in 2019 at rookie advance. 17 extra base hits and a decent 270 average. Defensively, solid. There's potential to have good upside depending on how his bat pans out. Big fan of Gill as well. That's a good yeah, pick. I, that's the one name that I knew outside of this top 20 that I, I, I was already aware of. So when you said that, and I was, oh, oh, I knew something. <laughs> oh, I, saw I saw his, his numbers. numbers one day and I was intrigued actually no the one thing I remember about Gill is I, I remember seeing um, his defensive efforts which don't show up on traditional numbers in minor league leaderboards sir thank you <laughs> but no I I, uh, I appreciate that and I, I'm particularly fond of this uh, this Angel Rondon that you speak of 
Uh, I like his numbers a lot. I'm looking over the things. And while his strikeout rates did kind of decrease from time, you know, 2017, he was up at yeah, 11. Yeah. Now he's down just shy of nine. Uh, it's still good compared to his walk rate. He has a good ERA. Uh, he's actually outperforming his FIP a little bit, so there may be some luck there. But I think I think overall, I, I like the, the prospect. So these are good picks that we are going to be looking out for outside of these top 20 for next year. Um, and uh, one last thing. Uh, Johan Oviedo made his major league debut today uh, in Chicago, and he went five innings, gave up two earned runs, struck out four with two walks. I'd like to see the strikeout numbers go higher, but in major league debut, you can't complain. You, you five innings, that's solid. It, Oviedo did a good job there, especially not especially against the uh, Cubs lineup. That's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah, the Cubs are looking like the uh, 2018 Cubs this year. They're they're looking strong. And we're <laughs> I forgot I'm with a bunch of Cardinals fans on a Cardinals podcast. <laughs> so let's talk about the Cubs more, guys. <laughs> let's let's sign off before the Cardinals fans turn this podcast off forever. As we sign off, guys, where can the people find you on social media so they can dox you in the comments? And is there anything that you need to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DrakeMan4. That is D-R-A-K-E-M-A-N-N-4. And uh, basically, I'm doing the Twins top 20, the Braves top 20, the Mariners top 20, and I've been tagged with the Indians top 20 as well. So keep a lookout for those. And follow, and uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Prospects Worldwide. We put good uh, content up, up there. Yep. You can find me on Twitter at MLBUKanalysis1. And I'll be working on Yankees and Royals. So keep a lookout for those. Nice. And as always, I'm John Giles. You can follow me at Puma Revive. That's P-U-M-A-R-E-V-I-V-E-D. And please continue listening to the pod. We'll have a ton more of these episodes coming out. Our Google Drive is filling up. So these episodes have to get recorded soon. You guys are going to have them in your podcast feeds as quickly as possible. Remember to give us a good review on those feeds. And you can find this article for anyone we mentioned here today over at prospectsworldwide.com. Click around over there. Find our scouting reports, find our team draft recaps, find more of these top 20 lists. And please, if anyone has any questions about a team that we haven't covered, or if you just want to hear us banter about something, send us a line over to at ProspectsWorldW on Twitter. I look forward to reading those questions as always, and I'm happy to ask them next time. Thank you for listening. I'm John Giles, and this is Prospects Worldwide.